Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to my discussion with Michelle and Olivia Grace Talley today. We are going to be discussing where we are in America today in light of the Supreme Court's recent decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. What does this mean for abortion access and what does this mean for the pro-life movement? How can we as Christians get involved and make a difference in changing hearts and minds about this issue. I hope you enjoy the discussion, and here we go. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited for you to uh, be part of this conversation that we're about to have. Um, as you can tell from the title of this video, we are going to be discussing what is next after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, as everyone knows, the United States Supreme Court recently overturned Roe v. Wade. Uh, this is a huge victory for life, for the pro-life movement, uh, and for justice. But the fight for justice for pre-born babies uh, and for women is far from over. And uh, so I said that we are going to be discussing this. Well, who is we? Um, I'm excited today to be joined uh, by my friends, uh, Michelle and Olivia Grace Talley. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And um, why don't you guys uh, quickly introduce yourselves uh, for the viewers and, and the work that you guys do? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm Olivia Grace Talley. I'm currently a junior at Clemson University in South Carolina, and I started a pro-life student organization at Clemson the end of my freshman year. Um, so I'm excited to talk um, a little bit about the pro-life movement and the next steps, um, kind of from a college uh, young adult perspective. And I'm Michelle Talley. I am the community, community development director at Palmetto Women's Center in Rock Hill, South Carolina. So we are a pregnancy resource center and um, have had the opportunity to be on staff for um, right at three years and uh, working in the community and outreach and um, also with clients there at the center. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, I'm definitely excited to hear more about what both of you guys do uh, a little bit later as we continue this conversation. Uh, but first, um, let's get down to the basics. Uh, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. What exactly does that mean? What does that mean in regard to abortion access in America? Um, and will women still be able to get abortions? Uh, where are we uh, in, in, the, uh, in America today with regard to abortion um, after, in, in light of this uh, decision? Well, David, um, women can still get abortions in America. Mm -hmm. We have states mm -hmm. that um, when Roe was overturned that um, did come back to trigger laws like Oklahoma. There, is, there are no abortions mm -hmm. legal in, in Oklahoma and South Carolina. We've gone back to the six-week heartbeat bill ban. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there is legislation um, being discussed and being heard to bring um, abortions law, laws back to conception. But right mm -hmm. now it is back to that six week. So um, six week term. So women can still get an abortion. They just have to go to the state mm -hmm. where it is legal. So we're in South mm -hmm. Carolina. We're kind of sandwiched between two abortion states, North Carolina and Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so we have women traveling, traveling to those states to have abortions. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so basically what, what you're saying is what this decision did is it, it kicked it back to the states. It, it's uh, mm -hmm. the Supreme Court that the federal government does not uh, have a role in this decision. Right. It, it's decided by each individual state and 
um, each individual state uh, may have different laws and, and regulations concerning this. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, so uh, obviously you have the pro-choice side, which is not happy about this decision. And uh, they've been doing uh, a lot of, a lot of things to, to, respond to this. Uh, and um, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, for instance, I know that uh, President Biden, he re it was reported that he recently um, issued an executive order to protect access to abortion, uh, mm -hmm. from what I've been reading in uh, some news reports. Can you talk about that executive order and, and maybe some other things that the pro-choice side is doing uh, in response? Exactly. Yeah. So one thing is for certain is that the Biden administration and the pro-choice side will stop at nothing to ensure that women have access to abortion. Um, like they will go to extreme, um, extreme ends to make sure that they can get that. So regarding the executive order from the White House website, it says that, you know, President Biden has made clear that he wants to secure a woman's right to choose um, and he wants to secure that that right is only able to be decided by Congress um, to basically restore the protections of Roe as federal law. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously we know that he can't do this with the Dobbs decision. I mean, it said the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Um, mm -hmm. But a crazy thing that the pro-choice side is doing, which is something that I would never, I didn't even think they would go to this extent, is they are pushing the Biden administration to put abortion clinics on national parks because it's federal property. Um, and so this is just mm -hmm. one example of an extreme um, and that the pro-choice side and that the Biden administration, um, just the extent that they're willing to go to, to ensure that women have um the right to abortion. One of the other things that, mm -hmm. that we were hearing is the plan C pill. And so basically what that would be is states that did not allow the abortion pill to be shipped in uh, a woman. And if she's in a state where, where that's, where that's not legal, she mm -hmm. can order the C pill, which means that that pill goes to someone in a state that is allowing abortion. They repackage the medication and then send it to her in South Carolina. So um, as you can think, there's probably a lot of danger in that because where's the bill coming from? Who's mm -hmm. getting it? And then there is absolutely no medical supervision for that. And wow. um, we've already seen that. We had um, just a few months ago, back in, in the spring, we got a call at the center from a client who had ordered the abortion pill in the mail. Um, she was over in the Spartanburg area. She had not been seen by a doctor. She had not had an ultrasound. There was no medical mm -hmm. care for this woman. And she ordered the pill um, over the internet. She took the first pill and then she thought, what have I just taken? She had no idea what she had taken. And so um, she started Googling. She found the 1-800 number. They connected her to our nurse um, who we are one of the, the clinics in South Carolina centers that do provide the abortion pill mm -hmm. reversal. So um, we were able um, actually, because there wasn't a center close to her that had the abortion pill reversal, we had a nurse, a client advocate, and one of our volunteer drivers that got into our mobile unit and drove to a parking lot in Spartanburg, did an ultrasound, and were able to begin that reversal protocol. Um, but the frightening thing was that she was alone. It was a Saturday afternoon. 
she had no idea what she had even taken mm-hmm. because she yeah. ordered something online. So mm-hmm. now we're going to put another step in that where it's mailed to someone, repackaged, and then mailed out. So um, just all kinds of creative ways to make sure that they can take the life of an innocent human being. That, that is that is really crazy. And uh, I said at the beginning of this conversation that the, the pro-life movement is all about fighting for justice mm-hmm. for both pre-born babies and women, because mm-hmm. uh, women uh, are victims of abortion as well as uh, the, the story you just told illustrates. Um, I mean, it's just crazy the, uh, the extent that, uh, you know, the powers that be um, on the, the pro-abortion side will go to, uh, to be able to, to continue this, this business. So um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's a, I think it's important for people to know. Right. Um, so what would you guys say? Uh, obviously you are um, very much involved in both of you are very much involved in the pro-life movement and, and for, in this fight for justice. What are the next steps for the pro-life movement in fighting for justice for pre-born babies and, and women now that Roe v. Wade is overturned? I mean, um, I, I feel like a lot of us, well, a lot of people kind of view this as the victory, like the war has been won. But, mm-hmm. but I really feel like this is just the beginning. Like this is just the beginning of, um, you know, this, this fight for justice. So um, what are uh, what would you guys say are some of the next steps for us? Well, this is an exciting time. I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. The war is definitely not over. In fact, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it is just beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, we have been busier at, at the center than we ever have been, um, both with clients and with donors. It is and, and people that want to partner, people that want to do something to help. I think mm-hmm. that the. The majority of people prior to this decision that was handed down, um, they were somewhere in between. There were a lot of people that for better or worse, just to kind of say whatever. And Mm -hmm. now because it is such an intense and such a, um, uh, an important issue, all of a sudden people that were saying with whatever have now chosen aside or Mm -hmm. are not afraid to step up and say what they Mm -hmm. believe. And so that whatever has really shrunk. Um, And so our, we are, we are very excited to see people wanting to partner with us at the same time. You're seeing the intensity of the vengeance that's coming from the other side. And Mm -hmm. so um, this is one of those issues that, um, it's one thing to pass legislation, but to win the hearts and minds of, of the people and of the culture, that's where the real battle comes mm. along. And Olivia Grace works for Students for Life um, and is interning for them in, in Washington, D.C. She just flew back last week, um, mm. but also on campus. So she can talk a little bit about within that college age group, which is 50 percent of all abortions happen between the age of 18 and 25. Mm-hmm. And so she is in in. Obviously, I'm past that. And she is definitely still in that and, mm-hmm. and has a 
voice within that community. So what does that look like for a 20 year old, Olivia? I think the first thing is not being afraid to have conversation. I think a lot of people can feel Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with it because it's such an intense topic and sometimes it's a very sensitive topic. And so I think that the first thing um, that, you know, the pro-life movement needs to do is we need to get ready. So we need to educate ourselves. Um, You know, we need to read about how to handle conversations um, with pro-choice people and how to handle those arguments um, that they bring up from their side. And then it's having those conversations, you know, Mm. like my mom said, you can, you know, you can pass all the pieces of legislation. You can have the heartbeat bill, you know, that bans abortion as soon as a fetal heartbeats detect detected, but ultimately how you win um, is by changing the heart um, and mind of that woman who Mm. is in crisis and who is seeking an abortion. And a lot of Um, people don't realize that women seek abortion out of fear. Women just don't know, you know, they're in some type of crisis that leads them to the steps of the abortion facility and whatever they're going through, the answer isn't um, the answer isn't abortion. Um, And I think that's such the big difference between abortion, the abortion industry and Planned Parenthood providers and pregnancy resource centers, you know, pregnancy resource centers solve the problem. You know, if a woman's in abuse, they help her get out of the abuse. They help her get a, in a stable housing. If she doesn't have food or clothing and she's, you know, in a really, really unstable housing situation and she can't provide for the baby, the abortion industry, um, you know, charges her for an abortion and kills her baby. But the pregnancy center is going to make sure she doesn't get back into that situation again. And so I think it's just educating people about that. I mean, it blows my mind. Anytime I talk to students on campus at Clemson, girls are like, I had no idea a pregnancy center existed. You know, there are 3000 pregnancy centers all across America. And so I think it's, it's educating um, and it's having those conversations and then it's doing something about what you believe in. So it's volunteering at your local pregnancy center. It's speaking out as a college student um, because you know that there are girls in your classes and girls that you know that are facing these decisions. Um, And so I think the main thing to do is to, to have those conversations um, and then to do something about it. And those are conversations because people are very passionate and the sound bites and the culture, the buzz is so loud and so angry and so strong. And there's so much misinformation out there. Mm. I mean, Mm. misinformation is incredible. Um, You know, just last week there was a representative that talked about how pregnancy care centers should be shut down because they torture their patients and um, do, you know, a free pregnancy test, free ultrasound and resources. Um, I'm not sure how that's torture, but um, compared to um, what I know and have heard firsthand from women that have been to abortion clinics and the things that they have been through, I think Mm -hmm. qualified a lot more as torture compared to what what we're able to do at the Pregnancy Resource Center. And also the church, the church stepping up to Mm, be the voice, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I Mm. mean, uh, we're supposed to step up and speak for those that can't speak for themselves. So Uh yes, we want to speak for that that baby, but we want to speak for that mom. And we want to give her what she needs to be successful, but also educating our culture on God's better plan for sex. I mean, mm. what is God's intention for, for sexuality? Who are we? What is, what, 
you know, we're created in the image of God and how do we live that out Mm -hmm. in a healthy way? And so I think that that's a big part of it as well. Um, and if you look at it, big picture, you can mm-hmm. get a bit, a little bit overwhelmed, but how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so we just take, and, and we always tell our students, we have a group of high school students that serve with us at Palmetto Women's Center, um, and then go on to college and, and are able to serve there as well. We always tell them that everybody has a place at the pro-life table mm-hmm. and we're, it's going to look different. It's going to be foster care, adoption, mm-hmm. uh, legal, doing, doing advocacy work or being involved in policy, um, or, or being that pastor just tonight, we were about to sit down to dinner after we got him from work today. And, um, our, my ED, our executive director called and said, um, we have a mom that has no food. Is there anything you can do? And because she's, um, on the other side of the state line, we can't get our normal people that are still there to give food. And it was just with our partner. And, um, I picked up the phone and called a pastor, um, up in the Fort Mill area. And um, he was there working on a sermon. He said, I'll have a gift card for her. Then he called me back and said, the Holy Spirit just led me to say, if she doesn't have food and she's using gas to get here, she's going to need gas tomorrow. So he actually, um, just as a response to what he felt like the Lord was telling him, said mm-hmm. he had a gas card as well. Mm-hmm. So that just happened an hour ago at our house. So wow. you know, those are the things. And But everybody had a place at that table. You know, That mm-hmm. mom had a need. She had come to the center. She had had that immediate need, had chosen life, mm-hmm. you know, made contact back after an hour's number. Our executive mm-hmm. director calls. I would call the pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, it, everything fell into place because everybody took their place at the table. Tomorrow morning, we have a group of students that will be meeting to um, go through some clothes with one of our partnering agencies that has a thrift store. And um, we're going to be taking those down to some students some children, actually, that are in need in Great Falls and being able to give diapers and wipes down there on Saturday. So, you know, everybody has a place at the pro-life table and we have mm-hmm. to find that. And that's what changes hearts and minds. That That's awesome. Um, I uh, definitely want to hear more about uh, some of the some of the things you guys do at the Palmetto Women's Center and uh, maybe some ways that uh, some practical ways uh, more along the lines of what you were just talking about of how people mm-hmm. can get involved. Um, you, you mentioned um, how important it is to have conversations mm-hmm. to, to, um, uh, to be able to persuade people um, logically and, and, uh, and be able to offer good arguments for the, for the pro-life, uh, uh, position. Uh, what are some resources that you might recommend for, um, uh, people on the pro-life side to become equipped, uh, for being able to handle those conversations? There are lots mm-hmm. of, you wouldn't believe mm-hmm. it, but there, there are some really quality, great resources. One of them, I'll let Olivia Grace talked about what Students for Life. And- yeah. Students for Life of America, um, just go to their website and they have so many um, different options. Um, so they have a blog portion of their website that has such great information, just staying up to date on what's going on in the pro-life movement. Um, they have a lot of great resources. If you are a high school or college student, um, uh, or just a, I'm pretty sure they do graduate school and, um, law school students as well. And you're passionate about the pro-life movement. You need to get involved with them. They're an amazing resource. They train and equip the, um, students my age, uh, to be leaders in the pro-life movement. Um, but I think in general, a great resource, um, which is where I learned a lot in high school about, 
um, the pro-life position was live action. Um, their Instagram account I know is really great. You can follow it and they post stuff every day. That is just either I learned something or a stance that I need to be stronger on. Um, I get another way to kind of a different perspective to defend the pro-life position. Um, but I would say live action is great. They have an incredible website, everything from they explain exactly what an abortion procedure is. And it's by a man who is a former, who was an abortionist um, and is now pro-life and he educates on how harmful abortion is to women and babies. Um, and they have everything from, you know, that to testimonies of women who have had abortion and how abortion truly hurts women. And they're the second victim of abortion. Um, and then about fetal development. You know, I think that's a big conversation right now that preborn human beings are just a clump of cells or just a fetus or an embryo. And it's not a human life. And we know that life begins from the moment of conception and so um, I would say that live action and then Students for Life is the best like database of research um, and a, a great resource right now. Yeah. Another great resource that I love to use and I'll use it with our high school students when we're doing trainings is um, Equal Rights Institute. Josh mm -hmm. Brom, he's up on the other side of Concord. He's they moved from California a few years ago, but they do some great work. Um, he they have on YouTube a whole list of for, you know, quick responses. So they'll have a two to three minute quick yeah. response to a uh, body autonomy, or what about in the case of rape or incest, mm -hmm. or, you know, everybody's favorite right now, what about atopic pregnancies or, or all of those things. But he also talks about, he'll do trainings on, um, and you can get videos on like how to listen. Um, mm -hmm. One of the biggest things that you can do when you're having a conversation yeah. with people is go back to definition. Yep. Well, mm -hmm. what do you mean by body, body autonomy? Explain that to me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and asking questions like, well, how did you come to that conclusion? Yeah. Um, and, and then also being able to like look someone in the eye mm -hmm. and hear them because they don't really care how much, you know, the old saying, they don't care how much you know, mm -hmm. so they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is the life of that person that you're having a conversation with is mm. just as valuable as the unborn child that you're, that you're defending. And so, mm -hmm. you know, all life is valuable from the womb to the tomb. And, and that is what we're after is to be able to have those conversations, to ask great questions and, um, and to be able to have people to find what we find. And Olivia Grace, we, both have some probably really good stories about, especially, you know, table in at Clemson at being at Winthrop and different, different conversations we have in the communities is most people are throwing around words and they haven't no stopped idea. to think mm -hmm. what it means. And, um, it, it, it really is amazing how many people can just regurgitate all the rhetoric and they've never stopped to think, what does that mean? And so a shameless plug at Palmetto Women's Center, one of the things we do have is we have a high school group of students and we have college and career groups. Um, and we come together once a month and we do education. So we'll take one aspect like philosophy and we'll go through and we'll build a logical syllogism. You know, it is immoral to take the life of an innocent human being. Mm -hmm. nice. Abortion takes the life of an innocent human being. Therefore, abortion is immoral. I'll never forget the first time mm -hmm. we built that on the board. There were a couple of high school students that had never seen anything like that before and their mouths literally dropped. And one of the students, after she pulled her jaw up, she said, that makes it so easy mm -hmm. because then you're always able to take that argument back to your, pre your to your premise. I mean, to mm -hmm. your conclusion. And right. so, but if you don't have those tools in your pocket, 
you don't have anything to stand on. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to understand that and to be under be able to understand how to ask those questions. And so we'll role play and practice that, but having doctors to come in and talk about the science of life, when does life mm -hmm. begin? What do the medical journals say? 96% of all medical journals say life begins at conception. Now that's Harvard, Yale, John, Johns Hopkins, you know, all of, yeah. all of our, our medical universities. So it's really important to train children young. One of the exciting things this summer is being able to go around to our churches that are hosting the Sanctity of Life Vacation Bible School. Mm -hmm. We show the little seven-week-old babies and um, mm -hmm. for a child to understand, this is what I looked like when I was seven weeks in my mother's stomach and how valuable that you are. You know, when I, my fingerprint looks like no one else ever or ever will be. Mm -hmm. you know, I am valuable because I'm made in the image of God. And, and that that's what changes hearts and minds mm -hmm. are those conversations, that education and, um, and people just understanding that all life is valuable. And um, yeah, so I, I think, uh, I mean, that's such a great point. I think um, ultrasounds were a game changer, being able to actually see the, the, the child in the womb and like, uh, that is a person that is a human person in there. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, 85% yeah. of the time, if the mm -hmm. mom sees life on the ultrasound, she chooses life. It's 95% if the father of the baby sees life. Wow. I, I definitely want to hear more about that in a minute, but first, uh, cause, cause I know you have a lot to say about that. Um, but first, before we get there, there's one last thing, um, that uh that i want to ask you guys about and you, you kind of brought it up a little bit or you mentioned it um uh, and it's kind of dovetailing off of being e equipped to be able to answer questions and give people the education uh about this topic um as you guys know uh and have said there's a lot of misinformation going around about this Supreme Court decision. Uh, for instance, um, a congresswoman, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she re recently said on Twitter that women who quote unquote are in the wrong state now risk death because of this decision if they have an ectopic pregnancy. Mm. And, and so I, I kind of want to ask you guys about that, because as you mentioned earlier, that is kind of like a hot topic right now. Uh, everyone, as you said, that's just something that a lot of people are just kind of regurgitating right now uh, and without e even thinking through it. So can you help us think through that? Like um, are women who have these uh, ectopic pregnancies, are they doomed to die as uh, the Congresswoman says? <laughs> the, short, the short answer is no. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. An atopic pregnancy, I mean, is not a viable pregnancy mm -hmm. that, that the, the, where the, the, baby has implanted is in the fallopian tubes and um, there is no room for that baby to grow. Mm. So that fallopian tube is going to rupture, which is going to take, you know, be very damaging to that, to that mother. And so, um, you know, doctors will tell you across the board um, because it is not a viable pregnancy. It is not an abortion. Mm. It right. is um, removing what is happening there because mm -hmm. they're atopic pregnancies cannot they're a hundred percent of the time they cannot survive. And, um, so that is removed so that the mother, um, can be healthy and be okay. And, um, it's so the same thing with miscarriage is, mm -hmm. you know, miscarriage is not a viable life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think it too, it's important to go back to the intent of the procedure 
And the intent of treatment for an ectopic pregnancy is to save the life of the mother. The intent of an abortion procedure is to take the life of an innocent human being. Um, and a great resource for this because the medical, you know, I feel like the pro-choice side is asking is you're right. They're spreading so much misinformation to ultimately scare women and to get more people mm-hmm. to be on their side right. um, is Applog. It's the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Um, Dr. Christina Francis, um, she's amazing. Um, and she actually testified today um, in a hearing um, about a lot of these issues. And it's really just sad to see the just all the misinformation that's going around, but, you know, always going back to the intent of the procedure and the intent of an abortion is always to take the life of an innocent human being and harm a woman. But the intent of ectopic pregnancy treatment um, is to save the life of the mother. Um, Right. You know, it's striking um, how the, the goalposts seem to always be moving on, on the pro-choice side. And um, nobody seems to want to actually defend abortion. They mm-hmm. all, they want to shift the goalposts and they want to defend um, or, or they want to, they want to try to say that the Supreme court uh, decision has implications beyond abortion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so that's something that, uh, that we just talked about, like the Congresswoman said, you know, brought up brings up this entirely irrelevant thing you know that the supreme court uh decision does not affect at all Uh, but she she lumps that into the conversation uh because she would rather um basically attack a straw man than than actually defend defend abortion And, and i see that so often um you even see that with um you know like uh uh, what are called the the edge cases in abortion? Like, well, what mm-hmm. about what about incest or or uh, rape? You know, and and those account for you guys probably have the exact numbers, uh, but those account for like a fraction, uh, just um, not even one percent, not even one percent uh, of the abortions that occur. Um, and people want to always bring it back to that that those edge cases rather than actually. Um, and and rather than actually defending their position that they want to be able to defend, but that they're they not. They, yeah. yeah. It was so. interesting. I was watching a hearing today and there was a witness, a pro-abortion witness. Um, and uh, she was asked in this hearing, um, you know, can you tell me what a successful abortion is? What makes mm-hmm. an abortion procedure successful? And she said, no. I can't, you know, and it's like, ultimately this woman is saying no, not because she doesn't want to answer. She's saying no, because she knows that she can't, you know, because a successful abortion. I mean, um, we know that from uh, all the, you know, women that have come out of and men that have come out of working for the abortion industry, you know, it's when they had the exact baby parts, um, you know, when Mm -hmm. they pulled out the arms and crushed the baby's skull and, you know, all the, all the parts and it's completely traumatizing. Um, for, for the woman who's undergoing the procedure um, and it's heartbreaking to lose it, to lose a child to that, to that extreme amount of violence, but you're right. You know, they want to, they want to hold on to these claims that are just lies instead of even mm-hmm. defending what, what they think. So that's why I always ask students questions on campus that are pro-abortion. Um, well, what is abortion? Well, why do you mm-hmm. believe that? And they all, they, they always end up walking away you know, or they tell me that it's offensive that I've asked them questions. Um, <laughs> have, have you asked uh, s- something that I would like to uh, 
to ask, and I, I'm just now thinking about it, but I'm, I wonder what the response would be if, mm-hmm. if you asked someone who is making that point uh, about like rape and incest cases, mm-hmm. the, the edge cases, like, okay, let's allow abortion in those cases. Yep. Can, can, right. we, can we prohibit it in, in the 99%, uh, right. uh, you know, I wonder what the response would be. Like, uh, then if, they back if, up. Then they they back. say yeah. no, 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 because then there's this, and then there's this, you know. Um, but you're right. right. That is always such a good question to ask when they bring up that argument. Um, mm-hmm. but- exactly. Exactly. If we give you, if we concede to that less than one percent, then mm-hmm. you're okay with us taking away rights to all of the rest of the abortions. And then they always back up. And <laughs> you're exactly right. right. And then because that wasn't the intent of why they asked that question. The intent, right? is to, you know, try to prove a point. And like you said, just grab those, you know, extreme cases. Mm-hmm. And, um, but generally when you really have somebody that wants to have a conversation, it's incredible to see mm-hmm. how, because it's like, I always tell everybody our responsibility, you know, it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to change minds and hearts. Our responsibility mm-hmm. is to speak truth in love and to put that pebble in their in their shoe, right? Because mm-hmm. they might not change their mind immediately, but if you put that pebble in their shoe where they have to think on it and they can't quit thinking about it, um, you know, the next conversation they have, the next thing they hear, you know, it, it's still going to be gnawing at them and you have a chance, you know, that's where, that's where things change. I think something too, is we've talked a lot about having conversations with people and that's so important. And I think something else that's important is knowing that when you're talking to people about this subject, you never know what their story is. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I'll talk to other girls on campus and, you know, 20 minutes into the conversation, they'll say, well, I had an abortion or, you know, I went with a family Mm -hmm. member or a friend to get their abortion. Um, Or, I, you know, a girl will say I was sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. or something like that. And so it's always important to remember that um, and to remember that they could be coming to you and they could have a lot of, a lot of hurt and pain there. Um, and so just to always lead with that, you know, that you mm-hmm. don't know their story and you don't know what they've, they've been through. And, you know, as, as a believer of Jesus, you always need to lead, um, in the Lord's love, um, and with his, with his grace. So I just wanted to add that. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much for adding that because, um, uh, yeah, I, entirely agree that's so important because you can get frustrated sometimes Mm -hmm. like i'll have the same Mm -hmm. conversation about atopic pregnancy the same conversation (laughs) about well what if this and i'm like you know and so you can't you know you can't show any frustration um Mm -hmm. because ultimately these people don't know the truth and they don't know who they are um and you always need you know i always tell other students that are in the pro-life student organization i started you never look into the eyes of someone jesus didn't die for and didn't love and doesn't love Mm -hmm. and so it's just always important you know if you don't it's not about winning an argument you know Mm -hmm. if they walk away knowing in some way that they are valuable or that they were just heard that someone heard them speak that's that's what's important so that, that's really good. Thank you so much for for uh, stating that. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about changing hearts and minds, and so um, you know, it, it's not just about winning an argument. We actually want yeah. to be able to effectively persuade people um, in love and, and get them um, to to think clearly about these things. That's um, right. You know, mm-hmm. and I didn't mean to interrupt, but we were Go talking ahead. about mm-hmm. you know abortion becoming unthinkable. 
Mm. And when we look back at history, just a couple hundred years ago, we were at a, a different in a different place and it was with slavery. Mm. And if you look at that issue and you look at the abortion issue, it's, it's the same. And, and when you look and you see um, how they looked at the slaves, not as human beings. Yeah. We look at the unborn child, the culture, not as a human being. Mm. And so what had to happen for that, for the culture to change, I mean, even after the war, the culture still had to, to continue to change. It started with like the Quakers who were buying slaves in order to teach mm. them to read the scripture, you know, so then they could buy other slaves out. And, mm. and it was, um, Wilberforce, you know, changing, right. you know, the, the, the culture the vernacular being brave enough to stand up and say, you know, let's talk about what does God say about life and let's look at this human right. being. And, um, and, and I think we could take some lessons from, from those people in history as we go through um, and recognize that this is a human being created in the image of God and how we treat and how we um, care for and how we speak up is equally important. And so, um, so that is, is very, very, very important. Yeah, thank thank you so much for sharing that. And and yes, the the point about slavery, it, I think, is a very powerful analogy mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so many parallels, um, as you mentioned, and uh, so many lessons that we can learn uh, from the the abolitionists, uh, like like William Wilberforce right. and and the movement that he led. Um, what did they do? They they changed public opinion. Like right. they worked, they worked to publish abolitionist literature. They worked uh, to get into churches and and uh, to be able to educate people, okay. um, and and change, you know, change people's minds, build up, um, fan the flames of um, mm-hmm. public opposition to to the evil of slavery. And uh, they were uh, success successful in doing that. Yeah. Because now we look and think. Mm-hmm. That's horrible. How is yeah. that ever, how yeah. is that ever even possible? Yeah. Right. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your grandchildren yes. and my grandchildren, my great grandchildren are looking and going, how could that ever be possible mm-hmm. that an right. abortion would be, you know, thinkable and let alone, let alone, you know, legal and common, you know, um, wouldn't that be amazing? And so you brought up mm-hmm. a good point, the whole thing of they were able to get into the church mm-hmm. and the church was having mm-hmm. a conversation. And um, that's that's important, that's answer. and that's the answer. The church could st- could solve, you know, this mm. problem because ultimately abortion is so violent in the abortion industry. I mean, it's just so evil, and we have the answer. I mean, we have the hope of the gospel, right. you know. And I mean, it's the church has such a big responsibility. And I was reading the other day, it was in an article by Save the Storks, a pro-life organization. It said only 4% of churches across America have a pro-life program of some wow. sort. Only 4%. And that that just, it blew my mind because you just would never think that. Um, and so I think churches have to start stepping up and talking about this. Um, and so women too, there's an organization called Silent No More, and it shares stories of women who have had um, who have had abortions and regret them and now help women choose life. And there's this one story of this woman and she says, you know, the Sunday before my abortion, 20 years ago, I had an abortion and the Sunday before my abortion procedure, I sat in the same pew um, in the same seat at my church. The Sunday after my abortion, I sat in that same seat at that same pew in that same church 20 years later, I'm sitting on that same pew in my church and never once 
have I heard the pastor talk about the hope and healing that's available for women um, who have had abortion and talk about the value of life. Um, and that's just so eye-opening that we need to start being a resource um, and a place of love and a community of love for women. So, Right. Um, studies show the Guttenmacher Institute, which is the research arm for Planned Parenthood, and the Lifeway Institute, which is the research arm for the Southern Baptist Convention, show the exact same statistic. And that is that one in four women at the time of their abortion were sitting in a church pew, and 80% of them within five weeks of their abortion were attending church. So it's not like that they were church members that just weren't going or backslidden or whatever, however you want to coin that. They were participating in church. And um, there's hardly a time that I'm not at a church or an event speaking that um, someone doesn't come and say, um, one time it was 52 years ago. I had an abortion because I was Mm -hmm. in an abusive marriage and I knew I couldn't bring another child into that. And I knew I had to get out and, um, and it was 70 in their seventies, you know, um, you know, talking about it for the first time and getting into a post abortive care. So, um, and, and the mental health and everything, the the statistics for, for women that are post abortive, their mental health, um, risk, suicidal risk, anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression, um, addiction, all of those things are incredibly higher than women without they don't want to do abortion. Wow. Yeah, that, that is, um, yeah. Thank, thank you so much for, for sharing all of this. And, and it actually provides a, a really great segue into what I want to ask you about next, um, which, uh, you know, you know, you said that uh, the church has a responsibility. I think that's uh, how you put it. And, you know, we, I, I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, don't really know what to do or, or how to get involved. Um, and I want to ask you about that in a minute. But um, pro-lifers, um, uh, as you said, the church has a responsibility to be able to, to, to minister to these women who have had abortions, to be able to uh, help women who um, are pregnant unexpectedly and uh, to be able to meet needs in those areas. Pro-lifers um, are often accused of being only pro-birth, like that we we only care about the baby until it's born and, and then we just leave people on their own. But uh, you, you guys both are involved in an organization that provides direct help to women who have had unexpected pre- pregnancies. And uh, as you were just talking about, you you provide direct help to women who have had abortions and being able to minister to them and, and help them find healing. Can you talk a little bit more about the work that you guys do um, at uh, Palmetto? Yeah, I would love to. So mm-hmm. um, Palmetto Women's Center, um, we are there to educate and in a gospel-centered way to be able to provide what that woman needs, both medically and education and resources. And so um, what that looks like practically is we, when a woman comes in, um, fear is a strong, strong motivator. And mm-hmm. so as Olivia said a couple of, Olivia Grace has said a couple of times that um, abortion, most women seeking abortion are afraid. They are either mm-hmm. afraid that they don't want to have a child with this 
with this man or they're afraid that they can't provide. I mean, there's just so many ways that they're afraid. Um, and so um, we're able to greet that woman. We, we do a pregnancy test, confirm that we have um, five nurses on staff. Um, they are trained to do ultrasound and certified with that. And so they will do the ultrasound. We'll see life on the screen, but we, sit and talk and listen to their story. Olivia Grace said it a couple of times. It's just when you hear somebody's story, you know, looking in their eyes and, and seeing, you know, where are they coming from? What are they thinking? And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, what's really going on? So we talk about like the father of the baby, does she have support? Um, if she is abortion vulnerable, we also have a, a brief video by providers that provide formerly, you know, performed abortions and they will give like the facts, you know, no bloody instruments mm -hmm. or any of that. It's just the facts. This is in the first trimester. This is the abortion. This is the chemical abortion. This is what to expect. This is how it's done. You know, blah, blah, blah. Second abortion, you know, second trimester. And they just go through the stages and they give the information and give the facts. Um, the client advocate has stepped out at that point of the counseling room. She comes back and says, you know, how do you feel about that? What do you think? And then the nurse is able to come in and from a medical standpoint, um, go over all of the medical facts of where she is in her pregnancy and how far along are you? Um, you know, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? And then to be able to do that ultrasound to see life on the screen. And like we said, you know, 85% of the time that woman sees life on screen, she chooses life 95% of the time. If the father of, of, um, of that mom is there. Um, one exciting thing is last Monday, um, Joe Caruso, he just came on staff with Palmetto Women's Center um, as our male ministries director. And so he is building a men's team to be able to minister and disciple um, moms. I mean, dads, not moms, um, moms, uh, dads there at Palmetto Women's Center to be able to give um, them what they need to be that support for the mom. Um, one of the other things that we're able to do is something called the Bright Course, and it's a fairly new uh, Bright Course or classes that these moms can take. Um, and as they take these life skills and parenting classes, everything from budgeting, finance, breastfeeding, how to resolve conflict, um, what are the benefits of marriage versus cohabitation. Um, it goes through um, gospel-centered discipleship. And as they take these classes, they earn parent bucks. So the dad and the mom can take these classes. They earn double the points that way. As they earn these points, it's towards cribs, brand new mm -hmm. cribs, high mm -hmm. chairs. Uh, car seats, uh, baby bathtubs, boppies, clothes. clothes, shoes. And they do that until that child is two years old. Wow. And um, a mom can get diapers and wipes from Palmetto Women's Center in connection with our partners up to the time that child's two years old. So that is very important. She can take these classes up till the child, time the child's two. So if she's seeing those strong-willed child characteristics coming out, she can go through that. So they take the classes. We make it as easy and practical as possible. Um, with gas prices, she can take those classes on her phone or her iPad or whatever. Then she can either zoom in or come in personally with a mentor that will debrief those conversations. Mm -hmm. Olivia Grace is also volunteering at Seneca Pregnancy Center, Foothills, up in mm -hmm. Seneca, South Carolina. She's had a chance to actually um, be a client advocate for some of those young moms in Clemson. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, um, we just had 
uh, I think it was about a month ago or two months ago, there was the baby formula shortage in America. And, um, you know, in my community, the place that was um, helping women get baby formula was the Pregnancy Resource Center, was Foothills Care Center. And I was like, what a perfect example that we are the actual ones here to help. Like, if this doesn't prove that we aren't just pro-birth, I don't know what will. I just remember like um, seeing, you know, all their posts on social media. We still have baby formula shortage for you. You know, we're able to be a resource for you. Planned Parenthood has their mouth shut, you know? And so if any organization, you know, is trying to say, hey, you know, we provide tangible support, you know, we actually care about you. It's definitely the pregnancy resource centers. Um, And again, people will only know that by us having conversations and debunking those lies because they're viewed as these old crazy white men that want to tell you what to do with your body and force you to have a baby and don't care about you. And that's just totally a lie. I mean, you know, these are the women that run the (laughs) pregnancy resource centers. Um, And so, yeah, I just, when the baby formula shortage happened, I just was laughing at, you know, we are the ones here that are still helping women. Um, So yeah, that, that is awesome. Yeah. Wow. I was like almost in tears here and hearing about all the stuff that, that you guys do to help women and, my goodness, you, I mean, you said it earlier too, you know, about how important it is to, to educate people also in uh, family, like, like the value of family, right. the value of stable marriages and, and uh, the, the uh, correct um, perspective on sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's all part of uh, building a, a stable society, which is built mm-hmm. upon stable families. And um where, uh, where women and children can be protected and, and cared for. And, and so, um, yeah, that was, that's all, uh, just, uh, yeah, really, really exciting stuff. It and, is. uh, the opportunity to change the family trajectory a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, my mom, this happened to my mom, this happened to her mom mm, the and, generation. and to be able mm. to, to change that. And, um, our annual gala, we've entitled it and it'll always be the name of it is legacy of life. Mm. And so leaving that legacy to the next generation mm. is so important. I know last summer I told you a little bit about our high school students that we, you know, educate, equip and employ to live pro-life and pro-love. So, you know, not only do they get educated and then they're given resources like from Students for Life, from the National um, Pro-Life Summit and those things, they actually are employed to do the thing. I think so many times we tell people and it's good in theory and we were educated but then we sit on it. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's to your point of how do we change hearts and minds? We do something. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that high school um, students had an opportunity to do last summer is we had a client come in during COVID and she came in abortion vulnerable and um, she uh, chose life. And the father of the baby saw life on the screen. And he said, you know, we're going to do this right. We're going to get married. And so, um, it was really neat. She came to know the Lord and it was really great. So our high school students, I had talked to her about getting married. And so our high school students came along and we pulled from five different churches and put together a wedding in less than three weeks for this couple. (laughs) And it was beautiful. Their families got involved and got excited. And we were able to not only minister to that couple, mm-hmm. but to minister to their, her parents and his mm-hmm. parents and all those groomsmen and the bridesmaids and, and the people that were there at that wedding, they saw 
the message of life lived out Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to watch them walk down the aisle. You know, she turned and she picked the baby up from her mom after they said, I do. And she picked that baby up and walked down the aisle. I was like, that's the most beautiful picture of the legacy of life. You know, it's amazing. Wow. So you guys, um, you, you support these women who who have had unexpected pregnancies. You equip them with the tools they need to to be good mothers. Uh, you help the the fathers as well. You're you're educating people, building up um, strong families. Uh, you are helping women who uh, are um, determined to get an abortion. You mm-hmm. you show them an ultrasound, uh, and, and you you've been effective and in. in literally saving the lives of, of little babies, uh, by persuading these women, uh, who were determined to get an abortion to change their minds. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, am just, um, this is why I wanted to have you guys on because, uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, the work that you guys are doing and, and, uh, I really wanted to, uh, to bring awareness to it, um, and to, uh, you know, for my viewers to, to be able to, to know what's out there and, and, um, you know, for them to be able to, uh, you know, support and, and, uh, you know, get involved, uh, with, with, uh, the good effective work that, that you guys are doing and that other pregnancy centers are doing. Uh, so on that note, um, what are some ways that, uh, people can connect with, uh, your organization and the work that you guys do and, and how can we support it? Mm. Well, I, I do want to add one thing onto mm-hmm. all the resources that pregnancy centers are able to provide. Um, they also, I know um, Palmetto Women's Center does this a, says this a lot to women, but they do also post-abortive support mm-hmm. and recovery. Right. So to any woman who has had an abortion, they have counseling, free and confidential mm-hmm. counseling. Um, there are support groups um, and ways for them to heal through that. And so I just also want to note, you know, that because the life of that woman that has been through that is just as valuable as the life of a preborn child. Um, sometimes, you know, we talk about all the other amazing things. It's easy to be like, wait, we do this too. And we yeah. do this too. But I think some really great practical ways to be involved. I mean, if you live like near the Charlotte area, Rock Hill, getting involved with Palmetto Women's Center, doing everything. Anytime I talk to a student that's like, I really want to like actively do something in the pro-life movement, but I'm scared. Like, well, will you vacuum the floor of a pregnancy center? Will you help run an event? You know, um, will you help, you know, call donors or, you know, help them get in the community? Cause that's, you know, a really great way. And it's such an important role to play. Um, and then you can also be more on the front lines and get the training and, um, everything to meet with, uh, abortion minded, um, and abortion vulnerable women. But, that, like my mom always says, there's a place for everyone at the table. And, you know, sometimes people think, I always tell students, don't just think, oh, well, Olivia Grace has got this, you know, she's doing this at Clemson, you know, they're doing that at the pregnancy center. I mean, I support them, you know, because ultimately each person has a circle of influence and know at least five people I don't know. And then mm-hmm. those people know people that they don't know. And, it, you know, and if we can start within our own circle of influence within the people closest to us, it's just a an effect, you know, um, it's a domino effect of how the truth can go out. Um, so those are some practical ways, but, right. Um, right. I think, you know, talking about some of the resources we, we talked about earlier of getting, you know, educating, going ahead and reading about it and, mm-hmm. and understanding the, the conversations and how to have those conversations. That's really important. We do some of that training, 
um, at the center, but practically, um, you know, get educated, like Olivia Grace said, have your conversations with your five closest people so then they can, so that can go out. But also, you know, if you want to volunteer at the center right now, in fact, today I was working on a list of um, volunteers that want to help with events. So it's really important that we're in the community. We're at Football City USA. We're at Summerfest. We're, you know, mm. wherever the people are, Strawberry Festival, wherever that is with our information and um, telling people what our resources are, who we are having those conversations, letting that post abortive mom know that there is hope and health and healing. Um, so, you know, Anything you can volunteer at our center from anything from driving our mobile unit. That's one of the things we didn't talk about. We have a mobile unit that goes into Chester and out to York and we'll be going into other areas of the county and um, everything we do brick and mortar. We can do on that mobile unit, um, but we need awesome. people. That to drive that. We need people um, to load and unload diapers and wipes and people to do baby showers and baby um, item drives. That, that boutique is totally furnished and stocked by people's donations. Um, financial donations are huge. We have to, you know, it costs $10,000 to certify a nurse to do ultrasounds. Um, the ultrasound mm -hmm. machines are all donated um, from for the Knights of Columbus, there, there are so many different groups that pull mm. together. And what we need to do is to be able to do, um, be able to have that. And also the church as a whole to have the conversations as the church. Mm. As we talked That's about right. slavery, the church was having the conversations. How do we within the church, instead of being fear is a deterrent, you know, it's a motivator and a deterrent. Mm. Um, how do we as the church have those conversations and not back away from it because we're afraid? you know, and um, there are some great ways to get educated on that as well. Mm -hmm. So churches coming alongside of us, people come in, businesses, business owners. There was a pharmacy in town that donates all of our prenatal vitamins for our moms. They get mm -hmm. prenatal vitamins. So, um, you know, whatever your gift is, if it's doing graphics, grant writers, things that you wouldn't think about, those are things we need. Mm -hmm. So whatever God has gifted you to do, you call use, us. Yeah. You can use it. Yeah. Um, and not maybe with us. Maybe you're a college student that goes to a university or a small college. Um, a lot of Christian colleges don't have a pro-life group. Um, and you notice that there is a pro-choice a pro, a pro -choice group. You know, bring in the other. A, a public university has to have both sides. You know, mm -hmm. they use that to her advantage. Um, and there are ways to speak up and uh, make that difference where God has planted you. And one of the most exciting things is um, I was having a luncheon for some youth pastors one day and a student dropped by um, to ask me a question. So I just said, well, while you're here, why don't you tell the youth pastors why you serve? And she at that time was a sophomore in high school. And I'll mm. never forget this because I, it was totally unprompted. She just said it. It just kind of fell out of her mouth. And just naturally she said, well, as I've begun to learn how to have conversations about why I'm pro-life, I'm learning that it's so much easier to share the gospel. And she said, I share wow. the gospel so much more now that I'm taught that I've learned how to mm -hmm. talk about life. And I'm like, well, that shouldn't be, that should be the same, you mm -hmm. know, um, that we should be able to. So um, it's important that we in the church, especially, um, and, and maybe it's not on the preborn side, right? Maybe it's in foster care. Maybe yeah. it's in mm -hmm. adoption. Maybe it's supporting in a, a foster family that's fostering right now. That's the hardest job. Um, maybe it's, um, you know, helping a family that's looking to adopt. Maybe it's coming alongside and sitting with a post-abortive mom mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. trying to 
despised and needs to be loved on. Um, and maybe it's teaching an apologetics, a pro-life apologetics class at your at your church. Or we've got great videos. You can, you know, you can use ERI stuff. I mean, it, mm-hmm. there's, there's great resources out there. But how do we as the church engage the culture in this conversation? Amen. Okay. That That is all really great stuff. Thank you so much. And uh, before we head out, um, uh, how can people connect with, with your organization again? Okay, great. P- um, Palmetto Women's Center, you can go to our website, the donor and the um, partnership. That is pwc.team. That's our website. Um, you can follow us on our Instagram and on mm-hmm. our Facebook. We have a client-faced uh a client-faced Instagram as well. And that's more telling about our services. It's getting positive messages. Um, That's one of our Google um, marketing strategies to get clients Mm -hmm. in through the door because that's how they found out about us. Um, One of the things that we didn't talk about, and I'm going to take just a minute to to bring this up, is we talk about the abortion pill reversal. And I don't Uh, know how familiar you are with that, but that is a huge huge, big deal, especially Mm -hmm. since over 50% of all abortions happening right now are chemical abortions. So the Mm -hmm. abortion pill is different than from the plan B pill, but the abortion pill is used after a woman finds out she's pregnant. It's supposed to be, and I use that supposed to be used Mm -hmm. only up to like 11 weeks, but we're knowing we're hearing and seeing that it is being pushed past that by abortion clinics. So the woman, it comes in two pills. The first pill blocks the progesterone from getting to the pregnancy. It detaches from the implantation. The second pill that they take about three days later is metaproxyl, which um, puts the mom into labor and the contents of that uterus are emptied. If she changes her mind after taking that first pill Mm -hmm. within 24 to 48 hours and she gets to us Mm -hmm. or another center that has the reversal protocol, we make sure there's still life on the screen and we just start the reversal, which is just the progesterone that's being blocked. Mm -hmm. That goes back into her body and um, 63% of the time it's effective. So at Palmetto Women's Center, we've had 11 moms come through and we have six babies that have been born um, as a result of the reversal protocol. The exciting thing about that is I love to say that that is the best example of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Just like that baby gets getting a second chance at life, we all have a second Second chance chance at life because of what Jesus did on Mm -hmm. the cross. Amen. Wow, that is amazing. So awesome. It's definitely send me those links, uh, by the way, and I'll, I'll put those in uh, the description in the video um, when this is released. But uh, thank you guys so much for joining me and for sharing your insights and uh, uh, some information about the work that you do and, and how we all can um, uh, get involved and, and be part of this movement uh, for justice. And so um, really appreciate you guys coming on and talking with me. And uh, stick stick around after I close us out here and uh, we'll chat a little bit more. But uh, thank you all for listening in. And I hope that you were blessed by this discussion. Please check out the links in the description of this video and see what you can do to get involved. Pray about it. Um, you know, this is this is a big deal going on in, in, uh, in our country and around the world, um, this issue of life. And uh, and if we can be part of a movement that is literally saving lives. Um, you know, Jesus tells us to, you know, to 
care for the least of these, that uh, whatever we do for the least of these, we do unto him. And uh, babies in the womb certainly care for the least of these, uh, hurting and confused women uh, who, who um, have been um, taken advantage of by the abortion industry and told lies. Um, they count as the least of these. We ought to be looking out for them and caring for them. So there are ways that you can do that. And uh, I encourage you to, to take advantage of those resources to see what you can do to get involved. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.